Good morning. How are you guys doing? Okay, I want to start out a little bit different. I want you guys to turn to somebody sitting next to you, and if you're at home, turn to somebody that's around or reach out to somebody and just say, you are looking good today. You guys said far more than you are looking good today, I tell you that. I heard conversations breaking out all over the place. Tell me something. I mean, that was kind of random, but doesn't that feel good? Yeah? Yeah? Right? I mean, to have somebody turn to you and say something like that. Um, I know that many of you guys have heard this statistic, and uh, we have taken it, you know, to be true. It's, It's that... Women on a typical day will use 20,000 words while men will use about 5,000, 5,000. <laughs> Not just five, 5,000, right? This, this, um, this is used to explain why men sometimes run out of words by the end of the day and they just grunt the rest of the day, right? <laughs> and so uh, where this, this fact came from, the source of this statistic was a 2006 book that was entitled The Female Brain. It was by uh, Luann Brizendine. She is, a, she is a neuropsychologist, a scientist, a professor, uh, also an MD. She studied at Berkeley, at Yale. She finished up her residency at Harvard. So given that kind of, those kind of credentials, that kind of pedigree, and also given how that, that explanation kind of fits into what we kind of selectively take as our experience of communicating with one another, Right? We would think that, that, not, that fact has to be solid, right? We're just thinking we took it. Not many of us checked up on it. But in fact, <laughs> that quote was made based on no study done nowhere ever. <laughs> she was just trying to get across the point that it seems like women talk more than men and communicate in different ways, which they do, right? Women, you communicate very differently than men do typically, Right? But that, that was not done by any study. In fact, uh, in 2014, uh, Ms. Dean, uh, she was in an interview with California Magazine, and she actually admitted, she said, uh, acknowledged that uh, gender-based differences were, may have been a little bit over-exaggerated. She, she, in fact, said males and females are more alike than they are different. After all, we are the same species. Uh, a, a guy came along... Uh, in 2007, shortly after this book came out. And actually, they did a study that was uh, on gender-based differences in communication. And what they found uh, was that the words used ranged anywhere in the participants. And they had uh, hundreds that they used, but from 800 to over 45,000. And both of those were men. Okay, so the range... But in, on average, men and women spend about, they use about 25 to 26,000 a day. On average, both. And so, because there really isn't that much difference between men and women. Women, we may use them differently, we may have different words, but why did I tell you that? One was because I wanted to dispel this myth that I think has been used as a good excuse for a lot of bad communication, especially by guys, right? We think, well, that tells me why I can grunt instead of actually talking to someone. But the other reason is this, because God says that words are powerful. God says that words are powerful. And each of us uses about 25 to 26,000 of them a day. He says we need to be careful 
In James 1.26, James is talking about words. So can we stand together to hear God's word? Speaking through James tells us what he has to say about words. Listen to these, this short, just a single verse. If anyone thinks themselves to be religious and yet does not bridle their tongue, they deceive their own heart and this person's religion is worthless. Today's message is simply titled, Think and Speak. Amen? Father, this morning, uh, again, we want to be good listeners first this morning. We want to hear from you. We want to learn to speak like you speak, where every word is intentional, where every word is full of life, where every word comes as a blessing and comes in a way that changes for the better the lives and the ears and the hearts of those who hear them. Father, teach us to reflect your kind of communication. Whether we're men, whether we're women, doesn't matter. We are your creation. We were created in your image. Teach us to speak, to think, to speak, to prepare, to love, and to let that love come through our words in the way that you do. We pray these things so that we might honor you, that we might honor the name of your son, Jesus, your living word, that we might be empowered and follow after the prompts that we hear from your spirit in our own hearts. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. You know, when I was in elementary school, Every summer, my siblings and I, we would visit various uh, vacation Bible schools. Now, I don't know if many of you guys did this, or maybe you took your kids to various vacation Bible schools, because I think it was a good break for my mom, for one. But uh, we would go around the neighborhood, we would go to various uh, churches, and uh, each summer, we loved it. Well, one day, my sister came home, and she found out about a new vacation Bible school. It was in this little church down the street. And she had gone that day, and she had also promised to bring snacks the next day. And so we decided we'll go with her, because that way we knew that we'd get snacks as well. And, uh, and so we show up, and, and uh, something was going on where the, the leader of it, they had stuff to get ready still, so they started us playing this game just to get going. And at some point in the game, someone got accused of cheating, and then there was name calling and you know, things got riled up. And at some point then we threatened that we were going to leave and we were going to take our snacks with us. And at that point, things really got out of hand. Because when snacks you know, are, are on the line, that's when people's emotions really get heightened. So uh, the next thing that I really remember was being out front in the church and there's us, you know, with our group, and there's this group of kids from the church, and we're kind of yelling back and forth at each other, and we're saying, you can't have our snacks, and we're going to come get them. And they're going, you get out of here, and they're calling us names and stuff. And so that's when we came up with um, the greatest comeback ever. It's a standard among children. I know that many of you have heard it, but we knew this would put them in their place and silence them. We said, sticks and stones will break our bones. But names will never hurt us. We yelled that as loud as we can. And it worked. They became silent as he began to reach down and grab bricks and rocks and started heaving those at us instead of the words, right? And at that point, we decided we should go, 
should probably leave. My mom went and picked up the empty Tupperware after they were done. All kinds of ironies in that story. One of the biggest ones is children throwing rocks at each other in church, right? I mean, that's kind of ironic that that would ever happen. But think about it. How many times do we throw words at each other? How many times do we throw words at each other without thinking? Powerful, damaging words. And God seems to have a different opinion about the effect. He doesn't seem to think that they will never hurt us. In fact, in Proverbs 18.21, it says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death, that doesn't sound too harmless. Words are powerful. James says that we need to be careful. In fact, that's why James spends more time in his letter talking about how we need to harness our tongue than any other topic throughout his book. It starts with the words that we looked at last week where it says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. It's quickly followed up by the words that we read today where it says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, meaning one who shows outward signs of a meaningful inward faith, if anyone wants to, if thinks of themselves as being religious in that way, yet does not get their tongue under control, bridle their tongue, they deceive their own heart. And this person's religion is worthless. Later, he spends most of chapter three talking about how dangerous the tongue can be. And he contrasts that with actually the action of wisdom. What's interesting is that everything negative in James's letter is tied to words. He talks about how we say that we have faith, but we don't do anything. We don't have any works. He talks about how we fight and we quarrel when we don't get what we want because we haven't talked to God, we haven't prayed. He talks about how sometimes we pay special attention to certain people and we call them out particularly with our words. So everything that's negative in his book is tied to words. And James says that's why it's so important that we keep our tongue and we get it under control. In James 3, 2, he ends up, he makes this rather astounding statement, actually. Listen to this. He says, if anyone does not stumble in what they say, they are complete. They are perfect. They are mature. They have reached that goal towards which we're all striving to be more like Jesus. And they are able to bridle the whole body as well. He says, if we can get a hold of that 25 to 26,000 words that we use, if we can get a hold of those and get those in line and headed the right direction, line those up with what God intends, if we can do that, the rest of our life is easy. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, if I could just get a hold of what I say, yeah, the rest seems like cake. So how do we do that? How does he, what, how can we bridle our tongue? How can we put a bridle on our tongue like you would on a horse, you know? How can we, he talks about it, it's like a rudder on a ship. How can we steer our tongue so our whole life goes the direction we desire it to go, goes the direction that God desires it to go? So his first instruction is found in what we talked about last week. It says, be be quick to to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We talked about this idea of what does it mean to, even when we're listening, listen listen intentionally, listen actively. 
so that our first response isn't just a response, isn't just an emotionally driven response, but our first response might be a question to say, uh, let me try and understand what you're saying better. Or we might summarize for someone, okay, uh, this is what I'm hearing. You tell me, if, if, is that right? Is it wrong? But another way to do this is, is actually and to put kind of that, a different spin on that, but is to, to think about in terms of where the, the title for this message came. And it's just to think. Think about what you're going to say before you say it. We think and then we speak, right? So many times I, I hear people brag about how they don't have this filter between kind of their brain and then what comes out. And they're acting like that's, that's pure truth. That's just raw truth then, right? And they're, they're saying this is, I'm just being honest. And God doesn't think that that's something worth bragging about at all. He says, no, words are powerful. So we should have those filters. We should have those catches that we stop and we think, and then we speak. So what do we think about? Well, think about this. Think about whether what you're about to say is actually in line with what you originally intended to say. Right? How many times do we get caught like in a conversation? We get caught in the flow of the conversation or the emotion of it, right? And all of a sudden, we start saying stuff that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Nothing to do with what we even wanted to talk about at the beginning. We started trailing off. You know, often I think that, that conversations could be held in check, emotions could be held in check, if someone would just stay focused and call the conversation back to the original. And when you see somebody do that, it's effective, right? So we think, and then we speak. We think about maybe, is what I'm about to say is it meant to be a meaningful addition to this conversation? Or, and tell me if this isn't true, or is it just meant to be retribution for something you just said? Right? Well, you said something nasty, so I'll do the same. And we just throw it out there. No, we need to think. We need to bridle the tongue, make it go where we want it to go, where it needs to go, where God would have it go. Think and then speak. Think whether this fight... Think about whether this fight is about something that you even care about. Have you ever got caught up in the emotion of something too where you're just arguing and, and if you took one step back, you'd realize, you know, on a scale of one to 10, that's about a zero. And I'm fighting like it's a nine. You know, there are those who they actually, they'll stop and they'll say, okay, what does this mean to you? Is this a, is this a one? Is this a 10? If they both say it's a one, they just go, well, forget it. Why are we fighting, right? If one person is a one and the other's a 10, then you have the opportunity to, okay, tell me why that's so important. Because it's really not to me. Now, if you're both 10s, then you might have to go get counseling. <laughs> or you might just find out. You might just take time to say, okay, so what's important about this to you? Think. Think and then speak. At the end of this section, <clears throat> well, at, at the end of the section in chapter three that we had talked about where James really digs into this, James gives us another thing. And I think this, this is what I want to zero in on today. Um, <clears throat> gives us another thing to think of. It's another instruction, something to think about before we speak. And I think this one really gets at 
the heart of God. It has an instruction in there, even though we might have to dig to, to understand what it is. But in James 3, 8 through 10, it says, the tongue is a restless evil and it's full of deadly poison. Again, it has the power, the power of life, but the power of death. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And yet with it, we curse others who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessings and cursings. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be this way. He goes on to say, it's like if you went to a spring, you know, we just go to the, the water tap. But imagine you go in the morning, go to the faucet, you turn it on. He says, it's like, you don't know whether you're gonna get fresh water or whether you're gonna get salty water. You don't know if you're gonna get clean water or if it's gonna come out sludge. What if your faucet, what if you were, you, you didn't know any given time, how much would you trust that faucet? You might try and get a plumber in to find out what was wrong, right? Because there's something, a faucet shouldn't act that way. He says it's like if you go to a, an olive tree and all of a sudden you get figs. You go to a grapevine and you get figs. He's going, that's not what I wanted. And you, the, the key is, is that you don't know. You might get grapes, you might get figs. You might get olives, you might get figs. You don't know. That's the kind of tree that you cut down and you plant one you can count on right? He says these things shouldn't be. What he's implying is that, you know what? God intended words to be a blessing. God intended all words to be a blessing. If you look at God's words, they're always a blessing. God spoke this world into being. The beauty of this world, the completeness of this world, the way this world sustains us and has room for us, was spoken into being because God's words are a blessing. God speaks promises that let us know that not just for today, but in the future, we have a hope. We have goodness that Psalm 23 says, surely, surely goodness, God's goodness and his kindness will be chasing me down all the rest of my life. It's God's promises. Also, he showed us in Jesus, Jesus is called God's living word. He came and he embodies the very word of God. What does it say he did? Anyone who is sick, he heals them. Anyone who's in need, he helps them. Anyone, anyone who is, he encourages with the words that he teaches. The very, in him, it says that we, we see a picture of the heart of God and this relentless love that he chases us with. And we see in Jesus on the cross, we see the, the price that he was willing to pay and the salvation, that rescue that we desperately needed, that he provided. Because God says words were meant to be a blessing. After he created us, he gave us the ability to imitate him in being able to communicate with words. And his intention was that those words would be a blessing, not that they would be a curse, that they would be a help to others. We can bless others' lives with our words in the same way. We can bring hope. We can bring encouragement. We can bring promises that let someone know that there will be help when they need it or if they need it, there will be support. We can imitate God's words. And then we can follow that up with action in the way that God does. But we also have this ability because of our brokenness, because of our fallenness. We're not like God. We're not perfect. And so we also twist words at times. 
They have the power of life, but that also means they have the power to, to destroy and to degrade and to demean. They have the power to cast people out, put people down, imprison people, abuse people with our words. God says words are powerful. We need to be careful. We need to be careful how and when we use them. James, James's point in these verses that words, words are meant to be a blessing. God calls us to use our words to be a blessing, to be that, that consistent spring of fresh water that people seek, to be that consistent producer of the fruit that people are looking for when they're hungry, when they are famished. Our words were meant to help. So when we think, when we think before we speak, when we think we should, the first thing I think that God wants us to think is, are these words that I'm about to speak, will they be a blessing? Will they be a blessing to this person to whom I'm about to speak? Sometimes we think, we have to think, is this piece of juicy information that I'm about to pass on? Is that really gonna help this person? Is this gonna help their pers- this person in their walk with Christ? Is it gonna help them as they walk with God to be closer with God, to imitate God? Or is it gonna stand between them and God because of the harm it does in a relationship that they have with another person? Is this zinger that I'm about to throw at this other person, is this something that's going to lift them up? Is it going to move them along in that walk with God and, and towards that life that he has for them? Or is it gonna set them back? So they're going to send them back far. So we think, will these words be a blessing? And then we speak. And we speak. You know, at one point, Jesus was talking to these, the crowds that were following him. It's in the book of Mark, chapter 7. And, and he's talking to them about how uh, they, they would wash their hands before they would eat. They would wash their pots and their plates. We do this. But the religious teachers of the day were saying, you know what, if you don't do this, it actually becomes a defilement, spiritually stands between you and God. Because they said, God said, don't eat anything unclean. And so if we bring that uncleanliness because we have unclean hands, or we bring that uncleanliness because we have unclean plates or cups, he said, said, that will make you unclean before God. It will stand between you and God. And he said to him, you know what? He says, that's not true. He said, listen to, so listen to what Jesus said. This is Mark chapter seven, verse 18 to 23. Jesus said, you do, not, um, do you not understand that whatever goes into the person from the outside, that can't defile them. It doesn't go to their heart. It just goes to their stomach. And then it's gotten rid of. Mark makes this comment after that. He says, By this, Jesus declared that all foods were clean. If you know anything about the Jewish faith, you know they have a whole set of dietary laws. And Jesus basically, he said, you know what? Those are not the thing that's gonna get between you and God. God had good reason for telling his people to eat or not eat what he told them not to to eat or not eat. But that's not what was gonna get between them and God. But he goes on and he says, rather that which proceeds out from the person, that's what defiles them. For from within, out of the heart, proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, 
murders, adulteries, coveting, wickedness, as well as, and he gets into some words here, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. These are the evil things that proceed from within and defile a person. In Matthew 12, 34, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's our words. Our words are often the thing that get in the way. Isn't this true? Our words get, are the thing that get us out of fellowship with another person, aren't they? That get us at odds with another person. It ends up our words are what get us out of fellowship with God. And primarily because we're out of step with, with this other person. We have used words as a curse instead of as a blessing towards this person who God intends to bless, not curse. We find ourselves out of step with God. So he says, think. Think, are these words going to be a blessing? And then speak. So how do we do this? What are some, way, what are some habits maybe that we can put in place? I wanna leave you guys with three habits, three practices. I think that, I hope they make sense but of how we can start building a habit into our lives of thinking first and then speaking, of being slow to speak, giving God the time to teach us how to speak. So how do we do this? So that our speech brings a blessing rather than a curse, life rather than death. Well, the first one is this. Where are we going to learn blessing? Well, you learn blessing from the one who blesses, right? So spend time listening to God. Spend time, and there's different ways you can do this, right? We can get into, we can get into his word and we can just listen to what he says. We can, we can read the story of the one who is called the living word of God. Read the story and just let him show you how he, even his life shows you what blessing looks like. Get learn to recognize it, what it sounds like, what it feels like, what a blessing feels like, so that you know blessing when you hear it. You know where else you can go for blessing? How many of you guys just go out and walk sometimes? When you're, when you're frustrated, you just, oh, I just gotta get out. You go walk, and it's just nature itself speaks to us. Why? Because God's word was given as a blessing. There are times that you're just overwhelmed by the beauty of nature. Why? because God intended it to be that word of blessing to our lives. So listen, listen to him. Listen to him as he speaks and learn what blessing looks like, feels like, sounds like, because that'll teach us how to speak. So second, just do the things what we talked about, what we've been talking about. So take time, think, take a break, pause, Think before you speak. Ask questions before you speak. Give yourself time. Get that bridle kind of on your tongue. You know, when I, when I was younger, we used to, I had some friends and they had horses. And these horses, when they start running, what do you do? You have to pull back. If they don't listen, then you let up and then you pull back real hard and then they start listening. That's what a bridle's for. It says, get a bridle on your tongue. Give yourself time to think through what you're about to say. Start asking yourself those questions. You know, if we we're going to trend towards kind of that lower end of words per day that we use, 
You say, this might be an area that we'd start to say, let's cut these words out. Those impulsive words, those words that just come without thinking. Let's cut that word count down a bit. But then third, and I think this is important. You know, most of the words that we spend, and in these studies that they did about conversation overall, the study that was done in 2007, it said one of the most um, obvious things is how mundane most of our communication is. Pass the salad. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Great. How about you? Great. Right? Not a whole lot of blessing there. I love the sweater. Hey, it's good to see you. Haven't seen you in a while. I wish that we could get together more often. Something from your boss. Hey, I need, need to get in touch with you. I need that report by this Friday, right? Not a lot of blessing in there, right? Just normal, everyday conversation. So if we're going to be people who imitate God in blessing, what are we going to need to do? We're going to need to be intentional about it, aren't we? Because it's not just going to come out, not just in the normal stuff we talk about. It's going to be something that we determine. We're going to have to intentionally say, you know what? I'm going to be encouraging. I'm going to speak blessing in some way. I'm going to pray for someone in a way that blesses them intentionally. And I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to set an intentional goal. If we said, you know, every hour I want to say one thing to someone, that's a blessing. If I've gotten through the hour and I haven't said anything, I need to call somebody up and just say something that's either encouraging to them or something about who they, who they are, who God has, has shown them to be in my life or to pray for someone in, in that hour. I'm going to do something. Is that too much? Once an hour? Or to say, or to say you know what? In every conversation, I'm gonna make it my aim, no matter what conversation I go into, I'm gonna make it my aim to say something that blesses that other person. So what does a blessing look like? Well, just think about it. Think about what would you want if you were in that person's shoes, what would you want someone else to say to you in that moment, right? What would you want for someone to pray for you in that struggle? What would help you to see God more clearly because that's what blessings do. In that moment, say that, pray that, do that. Lift up that word of encouragement to them. Turn to them. How often do we just say, you know, that awareness, that, that perception, that clarity of awareness of detail that you have, that God has blessed you with, that really helps me out. That's a blessing. You know that? To say, to say, you know, any room you walk into just lights up because of that joy that you have. I love that. It's a blessing. To pray and say, God, just be with this friend of mine in their loneliness, in their struggle. But then as you remember to pray that too, you're going, you know, I could call them. They wouldn't have to just sit in their loneliness that's a blessing. Think. Think. Do I have a word of encouragement? Do I, am I intentionally working into my day ways to imitate God in the ways that he speaks? Think and then speak.
Amen.